Welcome to another edition of the BCSN Sports Wrap. Eddie Drew here, waiting on my partner, Brian Fulford. There he is. What up, boss? How Stop you doing, doing man? You. I'm doing all right, my brother. You got the, uh, you got the, the intro stuff out of the way? I just introduced the show. I hadn't gotten anything else out of the way. Didn't want to take your job from you, brother. Look, as we get ourselves together here, happy Super Sunday to you, Drew. Super Bowl Sunday. Are you excited for today's Super Bowl? Honestly, no. Me neither. Look, no way, no HBCU players in the Super Bowl. This, I am okay. anti I am anti Rams because of what they did to my hometown. <laughs> And I, I don't know if I can root for – it's just something about rooting for the Bengals that just don't sound right, man. Hey, look, you, your St. Louis Rams were the Bengals 20 years ago. Uh, you guys were the dregs of the NFL and uh, the model of inconsistency. And, uh, you know, folks found a way to get behind you guys and – Celebrate the greatest show on turf. After, by the way, say that again. Say that again. Say that again. What? But what's the Bengals' nickname? Uh, okay. My point. My, my point. Well, give it time. I don't know. Give it time. I don't know. They 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 have. That's a good question. What should the Bengals' nickname be? <laughs> you know, what is the identity of this team? You know, yeah. at, least, uh, at least there was a brand behind. Those Rams teams, you know, because before that they were the St. Louis Lambs. Yeah, I was going to say you guys became the greatest show on turf thanks to that great trade by who? The Indianapolis Colts, which sent Marshall, Marshall, Marshall uh, to St. Louis as we went on and drafted Edrin James. So you're you're welcome for that. You're welcome for that uh, championship and that great run, all thanks in part to the Colts. Well, I think y'all kind of benefited out of that too, because you y'all wind up getting y'all's a little bit later, uh, also, and with just like St. Louis, two Super Bowl appearances, one championship, with that with that yeah. cast of characters that you guys had. Exactly, and you know, eventually they got it done. So, yeah, we'll 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 give a little prediction. I, you know, I was trying to think. Uh, I used to really enjoy these Super Bowl Sundays, and I really enjoyed waking up and, and treated it 
like a holiday. You know, my dad always kind of treated Super Bowl Sunday like a holiday. It was a great morning, kind of wake up and watch the um, watch the old replays of previous Super Bowls, starting with uh, they used to put them in the thirty minute packages. So yeah, you can watch. You can you can you can go back and you can watch. You know, from Super Bowl one, and you kind of learn the history of the Super Bowls every year by just sitting down and watching, you know, and, and so I'd be watching from pretty much eight in the morning up until, you know, eventually it became, it became a thing where it just became long, but uh, those are great times, you know, uh, still to this day, the greatest highlight package probably was the Redskins and the Raiders, the one that the Raiders and Marcus Allen, uh, with with his run, you know that that two year that hour was a pretty good hour, where you had the uh, the Reds. I don't know if that was back to back. It was the Redskins and somebody. That was the John Riggins run, and then the following year the Redskins lost to the Raiders and Marcus Allen. Whatever yes. whatever two Super Bowls that was. I, I can't even think of the numbers, but I could probably go through and do Super Bowls in order. But if you just randomly said, "Hey Drew, what Super Bowl?" 18? I want to I want to say that was seventeen and eighteen. Oh, see, there you go. See what I just say. Eighteen. I say, hey Drew, what's Super Bowl eighteen? Let's see. Let's see. Uh, you know what? Oakland right. won. Oakland won fifteen. San Francisco the Bears won, won sixteen. The Bears won twenty. Right. Se- right. The Bears won twenty. See, San Francisco yeah. defeated Cincinnati at sixteen. Uh, that would have been seventeen. The short strike. The strike short year. When yeah, who did the, who did the re- who did uh they beat that year? Was that my it was, it was Miami. Miami. It was Miami. Yeah. Yes. David uh, Woodley was the quarterback. Yeah. David Woodley. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah. And then the following and then the, year. Did the, Raiders, did the Raiders beat the uh, huh? the Raiders beat the Skins because they went yes, back to yeah. back. Yeah. Right. And then the Niners so, beat 15, the Dolphins. 16, 17, Nin- Niners beat the Dolphins. And then you've got 20 where the uh, Bears, and Bears beat the Pats. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, I see. Someone said the. I. I. Someone said the bungles. I. You can't go with the bungles. They're not. They're no longer the bundle bungles. They got to the Super no. Bowl. I go. You know, the young guns feels a little. Uh, that whole big three thing. I, I'm still. You know, I, I don't know. I, I, we're still looking to see what you know. Who knows? They'll come up with something here. But uh, yeah, I, and so you're sure about the no and, 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 players. I went through the rosters this morning. I even checked out through the practice squads. Did not see an HBCU player on any of them. Okay. Well, as we get into uh, today's show, uh, we're here for a good time, not a long time, because we got some Super Bowl planning to do and some, I'm sure, like, uh, I, I will find my way to the TV set to watch it. Uh, I just don't have any extra interest in it, if you know what I mean. But uh, I will be. Do you have any, any 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 entertainment purposes on this particular game? Any extra interest? Uh, <laughs> yeah, any no, extra interest. Al- al- although I do have people still hitting me up asking me if I want to jump in a couple of Super Bowl squares. So uh, I don't know. I'm not any a squares more. person. I'm, I'm not, not, I'm either, not a big squares I, person. I, I mean, I'm, I may look at a couple of props uh, going into this game, but that's about it. The biggest prop that I've wanted to <clears throat> take part in is the opening kickoff. 
will there be a touchback on the opening kickoff? Uh, uh, that, but I, that's I probably going to be a yes. Well, see, actually, it's actually a no. Actually, a no has been uh, – no is hit 26 of the last 28 years. Hmm. And uh, I think the story – yeah, I think the story that's been out there among uh, the, uh, the, the betting community – has been Pat McAfee uh, talking about how they that ball that they start the game with is a is a hard ball because they don't give the kickers an opportunity to kind of soften the ball up, and so once right. they once they kick it, it instantly goes to Canton. So they they don't they don't get a chance to really work it in like they normally do. So uh, that thing supposedly is like a brick as it's been described, which makes it very hard to kick 65 yards on the run. So take that for what it's worth. So, um, but, but yeah, so watch out for that prop to see if it hits. Will there be a touchback? The no has hit 26 of the last 28 years. Right. All right. Uh, we want to thank you if you're watching us on Facebook and YouTube. Go ahead and hit that like button. Make sure you like the uh, the show there if you're watching us. And please go subscribe, hit the bell, so that way you can be notified of future notifications. Of course, if you're on YouTube, if you're on Facebook, go ahead and find a way to share the show. It's a, it's a Sunday afternoon, so I know uh, not in our normal time, spot, normal time slot, <clears throat> but let's be honest. We weren't doing a, a Super Bowl watch party for the show. So we had, we, we had a few notes and nuggets and some things we wanted to talk about and get in uh, from the past week and then kind of move forward into the upcoming week. And Brian, you just showed the importance of having that like and uh, subscription bell, because if you were not subscribed right now, you might be missing this show. Looking for us at our normal time slot. Good point. <clears throat> And so I'm dealing with a little froggy throat here. Uh, so, you know, I'm kind of just, I'm powering my way through Drew. Got my, got my lemon, lemon honey tea mixture, some room temperature water. So I will, I, and I got my finger on the cough button. So I will do my best. <laughs> I will do my best not to flim, flim up the broadcast, right? Just, All right, let's just, talk basketball. Just thank God we're not sharing microphones. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Let's talk basketball for a minute. I know one of the bigger stories, obviously, is the gift that keeps giving right now, and that is the story of the Southern Heritage Classic and Jackson State versus Fred Jones versus Tennessee State versus the world. Um, you know, that, that story we'll get into a little short uh, in a short bit, but I think we got to – I just want to we want to get through some basketball stuff here while we can. Let's kind of talk about streaks right now, Drew. Some streaks that are going on in basketball because I think you know who are the hot teams right now in HBCU basketball, and right off the box. Uh, I think the hottest team, the team with the longest winning streak right now, it belongs to the Miles Golden Bears in the SIAC. Miles currently with a 13-game. That would be the man version. 
yeah, the men, I, yeah, Miles men with a 13 game win streak right now, uh, with a big win over Tuskegee this weekend, Drew. Um, so that was 13 games. No, no, I <laughs> <laughs> see you messed me up. I wasn't throwing the Tuskegee on the bus. <laughs> I was just notating that they were playing Miles. Um, Tuskegee's women did have a 13 game winning streak, they lost to Miles women 71 62 that was probably the big game of the weekend i will have you comment on that drew uh look going into fairfield alabama is a tough place for any siac team to go in and to uh and to play and tuskegee yes tuskegee went in to on a very uh what was it a 13 game winning streak but the you know miles is not a a soft a soft team is now it's everyone has beaten up on everyone in the siac when it comes to the women's side miles has beaten tuskegee they they split uh savannah lost to benedict uh they have they have their rematch on Monday. So the SIC West is going to be ultra uh, ultra important. And when you when you look at it, if seeding were, were to play out, what a hell of a semifinal matchup that you will have as Miles, Tuskegee, Benedict, and Savannah. You will have to knock off two of those teams to win the SIAC championship. So that is uh that that is a that is a great feat. That is no small task. You you know, I don't think right now there's a great advantage one through four between any of those teams. I, I, I really don't. You know, Miles was able to defeat Tuskegee 71 to 62 uh with an with the off night from the uh from Tuskegee. You know, let's let's give a shout out to uh Kathy, uh, and I hope I'm, I'm, I hope I'm, excuse me, Nadia Kathy. I, I had her name back with, with, with 21 points. Uh, London, Cam, Cameron Lundy with, uh, 13 points and, uh, Imani Williams with 17 and nine for miles lead, leading the way. Le- leading the way for Tuskegee was, uh, Ariel McElroy with 17 points and five boards. Ashila Jackson with 17 and eight. So, um, you know, Tuskegee, what I find interesting in the stat line, though, for Tuskegee, and this may be the reason why they uh, lost the game, SIC uh, preseason first team, India Blakely, with zero points on 0 for 6 shooting and four turnovers in this uh in this big ball game. And uh you know, Tuskegee 20 turnovers. You know, kind of a sloppy game. Biles 23 turnovers, but when you've had when you've got those kind of turnovers from your uh from your point guard, 
It's tough. It's, it's, a, it's a tough game for any team to overcome. Yeah, 20 turnovers. It's hard to overcome that. Um, so, yeah, Tuskegee but, women. Know, my, had 23 turnovers, just to keep that in perspective. It was kind of a sloppy game for both teams, a great defensive uh, game for both squads. Yeah. Uh, but you can't so have them for the point ball. guard spot. No, no, no. You definitely don't want it from the point guard spot. Uh, speaking of the the women, and you you brought up how challenging the women's side. You really have you really have those three teams there: Miles Tuskegee Bennett. Who was the fourth team you were throwing in there? Oh, Miles oh, Tuskegee well, Bennett, Savannah. Miles, yeah, <laughs> right. And right, two I'm on sorry. each side. Yeah, two on each side. I, I guess what was throwing me off is Miles's record uh, isn't on the same level with Tuskegee, Savannah, and Benedict, but they've got. But, but look the at who their losses are to. But look at who their losses are to. Don't sure, their losses are to those three teams ahead of them, but they have victories against those teams also. I, I yeah, and I, what I was saying is they also got the championship pedigree. So I mean that. They may go in as the four seed, so to speak, but they're definitely, like you said, going to be a dangerous out. Um, and now, I, what I wonder is, you know, with the fact that Savannah State is ranked 20th, you have Tuskegee uh, with a with a solid record right now. How many teams can get into the tournament, which is going back to its normal 64-team field, could you see two teams coming out of the SIC women on the women's bracket? Uh, that, that'll be interesting to kind of see how that breaks down. Um, this upcoming Monday, Savannah State and Benedict battle. Both of those teams have seven-game winning streaks right now. Of course, Savannah State started the season 14-0 and uh, before losing to Benedict. So Savannah State with a 21 and one record, their only loss coming on the road at Benedict. So this Monday uh, in Savannah at five 30, the big showdown Savannah state versus Benedict. Um, and I looking at the schedule drew this Tuskegee. I know the Tuskegee Savannah state game. Whoa. Is there a second game that matches up between those two teams? No. Or did they even play the first? One? No, that because East West only have uh, required to play one time. Okay, so Savannah this State. Is, this is that East-West matchup uh, that they'll be playing, and Savannah will be traveling to Tuskegee. And what I find interesting when I'm going through and looking at the polls, uh, and this is the WBCA poll, like you said, Savannah State is 20. Benedict is receiving votes. Tuskegee is not in the poll at all, not even in the uh, receiving votes uh uh, category, uh, category. Yeah, that is. Now going to the D two, D two, S I D A poll, which is the sports information directors. When you go through the uh, region, when you go through the regional rankings, Savannah is tied for fourth, Tuskegee is seven, Benedict is eight. And Miles is tied for uh, is tied for ten, which is probably going to be more reflective of what the actual regional rankings will be when they come out, which is what the 
tournament is based on. So just based on that, as of today, you would have three of the four SIAC teams in the uh, in the regional, but if you were to go by this poll. Okay. Okay. Good to know. Um, moving on, <clears throat> while we're still in the SIC, <clears throat> Miles Men with a 13 game win streak. <clears throat> we got to give a shout out to Morehouse Men. They have a 12 game winning streak, second longest, uh, number two winning streak, uh, tied for second most among all HBCU current streak right now. Uh, they went into overtime to defeat Clark. I believe it was a double overtime, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, 91 to 90, I believe, was the score uh, in that contest. So uh, Morehouse got the uh, got the win on that as I'm sitting here trying to, yeah, 91 to 90, double overtime. Uh, Morehouse <clears throat> with the win um, as, as they get their second win over the Panthers. And, and that's a nice story. What's going on with, uh, with, with Morehouse after uh, the, the sudden passing of coach Grady. Uh, and so they, they sort of have found their shot. Uh, right. Up, you know, Morehouse with a 15 and six overall record uh, winners of 12 in a row, 12 and two in the conference. Uh, go ahead, Drew. You were going to say something. No, no, you good. Okay. Uh, upcoming I thought, contest. I, thought I had lost you for a moment. Oh, okay. No, they. Uh, you know, looking at who's ahead for them, uh, there looks to be about maybe two more, two maybe three more weeks left of the season. Uh, Fort Valley, Allen, Benedict, Albany, and Savannah State at the end of the year. Um, they. So it, it is conceivable. I'm trying to see the last loss came to Tuskegee. So. All of the upcoming opponents they've beaten once. So there is an opportunity, realistically, you know, could Morehouse go to the tournament with a uh, 17-game streak? I mean, it is uh, a minute. You know, there's still a lot of basketball left to be played, but uh, we'll kind of see how it works out um, for the men. I was looking at the standings here real quick. Their standings, they are uh, a game behind in the win column to Benedict. Nope, check that. The site is wrong. So they will be tied with Benedict, I believe. Both teams sitting at 12 and 2 in the east. And then over on the west side, of course, you got Miles sitting at 12 and 1. So uh, we'll see we'll see what comes out over the next couple of weeks. Still some good basketball left to be played. Another hot team on a winning streak, Jackson State. The Jackson State Lady Tigers 12 and 0, 12, uh, 12 consecutive games. Only one game have they won by fewer than 10 points or more. That was to Grambling. But every other game has been a double digit victory. And let's put Jackson State in its proper perspective. I mean, what, what they are doing right now. It's worth going back and looking into history books and saying, who are the other teams that have done what they are doing? They've won now 25 consecutive regular season SWAT games. 
28 consecutive games against SWAC opponents. So I'm referring to the way they finished last season. Last year, they ended the season winning their last 16 games in SWAC play, including 13 in the regular season and then the three in the conference. Only loss, of course, was uh, to Albany State. Or it's not Albany State. Alabama Alabama State. State. Yeah, they lost that game to Alabama State. And then let's go even deeper in the uh, Williams-Rogan era. The 2019-2020 season, Jackson State had a 12-game winning streak, only had two losses in conference play. So over three seasons now under uh, Coach Reed and, of course, being led by uh, Amisha Williams and Deja Rogan, Jackson State has only lost three games. Uh, by my math, Drew, quick math here. Let's see, twelve. I, I'm not even going to do the math. Three losses. We'll just. That's the easier math. Three losses here over the course of three years, Drew. One of the one of the, and it's not over. I mean, they realistically could go. There's six more regular season games. Three more. They they can literally go into the tournament with a twenty game winning streak. Um. With, where do we put, I mean, is this, is this, where, where, I mean, as you recall and think about great winning streaks, uh, this is, I, look, I don't want to say it's, look, Brian, it's, it's UConn-ish. Oh, I like that. I UConn-esque. like that. UConn-esque. UConn-esque. Or Tennessee-esque. No, would it be UConn-ish? Would it be ish? Would it be an ish? No. I think it's, yeah, it. I think it would be esque. You kind of ISK. ISK. Okay. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, you you of course uh, ESK, the probably. You you of course of the term Miakish. I, I would I would uh <laughs> I would think you UConn-esque. would say this is Yukon esque. Esque. E S Q U E. Yeah. All right. All right, I, 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 you okay? Well, it, it definitely is. We'll have to, we'll go do the crunch the numbers and kind of see where where that fits along with similar runs. But of course, uh, you know they got to win, they got to win the tournament. It makes you wonder though, with the SWAC being typically a one conference or a one tournament bid league, should they stumble? Do they have enough street cred to get into the tournament, regardless? of what happens let's just say they you know trip up in the championship game do they have enough street cred to to get there you know what i'm saying that's just what i wonder so not wishing that on them just asking the question other teams on hot streaks right now you got uh xavier women on a 10 game winning streak rust women uh with an eight game winning streak right now uh already mentioned that savannah state Women, Benedict women with a seven-game win streak. And then Xavier men with a seven-game win streak. Uh, Should be noted some other interesting streaks throughout the course or just recently. Talladega had a win streak come up to an end. Of course, they lost a tough game last night to Loyola. That was a a top-five matchup in the NAIA. Talladega lost that game to number two Loyola. It's a conference game 
in overtime, I believe. Uh, what was the final score on that one? Do you recall? I just had it. Uh, they lost by like eight. They lost by like yeah. eight, if I remember correctly. I don't remember what in the final overtime. score was. Yeah. Right. And, and, and let's look at that conference before before you go into that. You've got Loyola, Talladega, two top five teams easily in in in, in the nation in the NAIA. You've got a Steelman who is a top twenty five team. You've got a Faulkner who's a if not a top twenty five team, a receiving votes team. Can that conference realistically get four teams in the NAIA tournament? Because if you look at the history of the NAIA tournament, they tend to favor the Plains teams, as I like to call them, uh, the teams in the Dakotas and the Wyomings and the uh, Rocky Mountain region tend to be favored when the seedings come out for the NAIA tournament. Can this Southern base conference that features two HBCUs, two HBCUs who are ranked or near, nearly ranked, can can that conference get full in with two of those being our HBCUs? Uh, I, I think, well, all, all four, of the, well, I don't think still, I was looking at this earlier. Stillman needs to get into the top 25 probably or do what they did last year, which was, uh, Get to the conference. Go on a run. Turn, uh, yeah, go on a run. Win the win because because t- we know th- that's a two bid league. So the two finalists get go automatically. So yeah. So in that case, I would say Stillman, who I think I'm looking at the top 25 now, they are not in the most recent top 25 poll that came out February 9th. So for them to be that four team league. Stillman needs to get to the championship because that way it puts Faulkner, who's currently 18th, Talladega currently fifth, Loyola currently second. It helps helps those to actually help Stillman, but it also ensures, I think, the four teams. Uh, so that'll be that'll be interesting to watch. I mean, you know, uh, just in general there. Uh, but I, I did want to mention Talladega opened the season with a 14-game win streak. And then as we're talking about streaks, Paul Quinn, men, opened the season 15-0 and against NAIA opponents. So they, they had some games against uh, some Division II opponents, I believe, that they lost to. But against NAIA opponents, which all those other games are considered exhibition, uh, but among NAIA schools, Paul Quinn started 15 and 0. So we'll kind of keep track of basketball streaks and such as we go through. Um, any other news and notes basketball related, Drew, while we're while we're kind of talking basketball that you wanted to hit on? Uh, what about CIAA? Um, well, the CIAA, we've got the, the final week of the regular season coming up this week, I believe. And then they go into, they go into their tournament. Um, I don't have their, uh, I don't have the standings pulled up right at the moment, but nobody out of the CIAA is really, uh, in terms of the women or the, well, 
Uh, let's go through the standings here. As we go through the men's standings right now, <clears throat> um, you've got a three-team race in the Northern Division between Virginia Union, Lincoln, PA, and Shaw, with Virginia Union sitting at 6-2 and two in the division, 11-3 and three in the conference. Follow Lincoln and Shaw, both are 5-3 and three in division. Um, and, and so I, that's how they do the seeding in the CIAA based on your division. In the Southern Division, Winston-Salem State sitting at 7-1 and one in division, 11-3 and three in the conference. Fayetteville State also 11-3 and three in conference, but they are two games behind Fayetteville. Or Fayetteville State is two games behind Winston-Salem right now. And then uh, Livingstone also sitting two games behind. So uh, lo- those teams are beating, beating each other up. And uh, it'll be interesting to kind of see how this final week goes for the men. For the women, Elizabeth City State and Lincoln, PA, both sitting at 9-2 and two in division, both sitting at 10-4 and four in conference. Uh, Elizabeth City State on a five-game winning streak. So uh, let's see the schedule. Take a look at the schedule here in a second and see whether Elizabeth City State and Lincoln – are playing each other uh, this upcoming week. Um, Elizabeth City State. Elizabeth City State has Virginia Union on Wednesday, and then on Saturday they've got Bowie and Lincoln, PA. Lincoln travels uh, travels to Shaw on Wednesday, and then they host Virginia State. So. Um, both teams, uh, one home, one away. So we'll see how that plays out. Over in the Southern Division in the CIAA, Johnson C. Smith leading seven and one in the division, nine and four in conference play. Two games ahead of Fayetteville State and Winston Salem in the Southern Division. So that is what's happening in the CIAA, and of course, the uh, the CIAA tournament. The last weekend, I believe it's the weekend of the, well, the 25th through, well, I don't know. Let me see. What, what date is it? Start on Wednesday? Start on Wednesday the 23rd, the CIAA tournament? I so. That sounds yeah, about right. Right. So, then again, this is the final week of the regular season, Saturday being the last game. Uh, any other notes, basketball-related? Uh, we did talk. We talked about rust. Uh, I'm trying to go through the GCAC. I think we've. Uh, I think we got a uh, Florida Memorial streak. Uh, kind of they. They were in good contention there in the Sun Conference, and I'm talking about on the women's side. But they lost two or three games this past week, with uh, their loss Saturday to Southeast to the Southeastern Fire. That's another team. Number one team in the uh, country, you know, Southeastern Fire. Yeah. Yeah, that's another team we need to watch out for. So I yeah, they're uh, eleven and all. four. Florida Memorial is eleven and four right now. I think uh, they're either sitting in second or third heading into the tournament. Should make mention. Uh, I guess we'll make mention here shortly of the SWAT men as uh, the it, it, it's eleven of the twelve teams are in contention. That's the best way to put it for the SWAC men. 
and as I as I firmly believed two weeks ago, even a week ago, there's there's a top five, and then there's the the next three in terms of uh, the eight teams going into the uh, tournament. The top five right now: Southern and Texas Southern. Southern lost on Saturday. Texas Southern winning against Grambling that game on NBA TV. Uh, Texas Southern, just the the darlings of NBA TV right now, as they go four and zero in their four appearance. I'm talking two wins by the women, two wins by the men, uh, as they traveled to uh, FAMU, Florida A and M a couple of weeks ago, and hosted Grambling Saturday. Good crowd, seen some seen some nice shots there, but. Uh, Texas Southern, I think they've won five in a row, six six in a row. You know, they're the new hot team in the SWAT. Uh, as Southern lost, so now Southern and Texas Southern are tied for first. One game behind those two, you've got Florida A&M, who lost to Jackson State. You've got Alcorn State, who lost to Bethune-Cookman. And then Grambling, of course, Grambling losing to Texas Southern. So, that's your top five. <coughs> then there's a gap. Then there's a gap, and then there's the next six. T- turn your mic on. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sorry. Yeah, everybody's at five and seven in that next group. And you pointed out the team that might be on the out is Preview, who are five and seven but they really have those two forfeits hanging over their head at the beginning of the year that they are currently in 10th tied with that group of teams in sixth place. So again, only eight go to the uh, SWAC tournament. And if the SWAC tournament started Monday or next week, they would be out. So it'll be interesting to see what happens down the stretch. All right, Drew, let's take a break, come back, talk a little about it, some of the coaching news that happened over the week, and then we'll uh, we'll opine a little bit about the Southern Heritage Classic. And uh, we just got some questions to ask. You know, the, the, the gift that keeps giving is this whole story regarding the Southern Heritage Classic, Jackson State and Tennessee State. So we'll talk about that more coming up on the other side. You're watching the BCSN Sports Wrap. We'll be back after these words. Some carriers will give you just one measly entertainment subscription. One is no fun. With Verizon, there's up to seven entertainment subscriptions with your unlimited plan. That's seven times the... <laughs> seven times the... No, no. Seven times the... Yes. Music, gaming, Disney+, Plus, Hulu, ESPN+, Plus, and more. That's seven times the entertainment. Because everyone deserves better. And with plans starting at just $35, better cost less than you think. Maureen is saving big holiday shopping at Amazon. So now she's free to become Maureen the Marrier. Food is her love language. And she really loves her grandson. 
like really loves. Charmin Ultra Soft has so much cushiony softness, it's hard for your family to remember. They can use less. Sweet pillows of softness. This is soft. Holy Charmin. Oh, excuse me. Roll it back, everybody. Sorry. Charmin Ultra Soft is so cushiony soft, you'll want more. But it's so absorbent, you can use less. So it's always worth it. Now, what did we learn about using less? You gotta roll it back, everybody. <laughs> we all go. Why not enjoy the go with Charmin? Bounty versus the old family dish towel. Drying with a fresh sheet of Bounty leaves your hands cleaner than a used dish towel that can carry and redistribute food residue. So ditch the dish towel for better hand hygiene. Bounty, the quicker picker-upper. Troy, you work here? I'm never not working. Like head and shoulder scalp shield technology, up to 100% dandruff protection, even between washes. Never not working. <laughs> never not working. Never ever not working. Head and shoulder scalp shield, never not working. Every time I open one of these bottles, I hear trumpets and big band music. The Creole seasoning is a sodium-free and sugar-free blend that's versatile enough to put on anything. One of the first blends I developed more than eight years ago, the Creole seasoning has an unmistakable aroma, a bold flavor, and a little heat for character. We're back on the BCSN Sports Wrap. He's Brian Fulford. I'm A.D. Drew. And, Brian, it's time to get into some coaching dues of the football variety. And, Brian, uh, so, so much out there, so many coaching changes after National uh, Signing Day. So before we even start talking about the various coaching changes, Brian, What's your take on these schools waiting to after the National Signing Day to announce uh, who their next leader is going to be? And did it affect recruiting? Um, it is amazing to kind of see that there are some schools that still had signing classes um, despite everything going on. Uh, I, I don't know if that – I think that speaks volumes to the assistant coaches, um, the planning that they did. Uh, obviously, uh, hopefully that earned them an additional year on staff. You know, for these new coaches, they're the ones that uh, – I, I think – here's what I think. I think what – I think there'll be a lot of – there could be a lot of movement after – they've got to hit the ground they're hoping that the off-season conditioning you, can, you kind of broke up there brian brian uh start your point over you kind of broke up doing the believe your uh take there i was just saying that if the off-season conditioning program is already underway you're hoping that it looks like something and you're gonna have to go you're, you're quickly trying to implement some things in the spring but it's going to be a slow build. You know, I mean, this this process will be a five-month process leading all the way up to fall camp of getting guys to sort of take home, what, 
take home notes, take home video, uh, setting a lot of things up, how you want things to happen. So um, the teams that look like the teams that look worth anything in the fall, especially with these new coaches, it'll speak to the organizational structure from the, from the staff and the athletic department. Well, and let's be real. I've been around this uh, game called college sports for a while, Brian. Most of these teams do who their who their probable coach was going to be a little while ago. It's not like, you know, uh announcement on Tuesday, you know, we decide to hire this person on Monday. No, they've they a lot of these people teams have been going through contract negotiations with the with the various schools. So with that being said, that that means that at least that recruiting coordinator, somebody who's already there at that university is going to be there because it's kind of hard to say, hey, go out and get me these kids and then you fire me the next week or decide not to retain me on your staff the next week. Why would I go out and do all this hard work for you and me not be able to reap the benefits? Like you said, one, an additional one year for those people there on on staff doing doing that recruiting. Now, your job function may not be the same. You know, if you were the previous offensive coordinator named as interim, you know, you may not be the new offensive coordinator when uh, this new coach comes in. But, yeah, it, it's it's real interesting to see how these things get, get tackled. And, Brian, the first one that I want to get into, uh, not to sound like a homer, is Clark Atlanta University naming longtime Tuskegee head coach Willie Slater as their new leader. And this came out, uh, first of all, all these coaches hires were not Friday news dumps. You know you know how I feel about Friday news dumps, Brian. None of them were Friday news dumps. Although one did go under the radar, and we'll get to that one in just a moment. But and uh, somebody did get hired earlier in the year on a Friday, right? That that has happened before already. That has year, happened, right? just like people That's have like resigned that. on Saturdays. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, there were there were no Friday news dumps uh, in in these. But yeah, Willie Slater be, uh, becomes the next uh, head coach at Clark Atlanta University. Willie Slater, longtime coach at Tuskegee University, spent sixteen years as head coach at Tuskegee University, the last four of those as slash athletic director, head coach and uh, athletics director at Tuskegee University. And for Coach Slater, in my opinion, this gives him an opportunity to get back what he does well, and that is coaching. During those first 12 years when he was coach only, he was the winningest coach percentage-wise in Tuskegee University history. Uh, that first year when he was athletics director, he also was a uh, also had a good winning percentage. The difference is between that year one and years two, three, and four, he had an associate athletic director or assistant athletic director to handle the business of the athletic department during football season. So when that person left Tuskegee University and took a job at another university and was not replaced 
that's when you started to notice the slide in Tuskegee's record with the five with the back to back five and five seasons, and then the three and seven season, uh, three and eight season of this year, Brian. So t- Willie Slater gets back to what he does best because, like, like I've said before, the man didn't all of a sudden forget how to coach these last three years. There were just a lot of outside things that were taking up his time, taking up his obligations that did not allow him to do what he did well. And Brian, this is only the second time that Slater has coached out, coached or played ball outside of the state of Alabama. You know, he spent some time at Temple. That would be the only other time that he was not within the state of Alabama in his uh, playing or coaching career. And And first off, Drew, did this catch you by surprise? Did you know? Because you're pretty connected with Tuskegee. Did you know this was happening? Short answer, no. <laughs> so, yes, it, it, it did take me by surprise. But when you go back and look at it, Brian, and, and, and I'm speaking as a alum right here, uh, take, take the BCSN sports wrap up. There was something that was not right about how the whole situation ended with Coach Slater. Uh, uh, Came into the season with the ugly loss. That's the best way to put it. The ugly loss of Fort Valley State. With that ugly loss, there were people around the university, alumni and other people. Uh, yes, I'm calling out a few alumni who were calling for Coach Slater's head. Not once in that whole time did people say, hey, this man can still coach. Let's let him coach. Let's let's hire a new athletic director and just retain him as, as head coach. And who knows, that may have been something that was uh, thrown out to Slater and may have been something that he decided that he did not want to do. You know, I don't know the backstory of that, but I've always felt that if Slater were coaching only, he would have been fine. And when you couple that with the turnover that he had on his staff mm-hmm. below him, he probably felt that he had to take a bigger role. Obviously, when you've got new people, you've got to there's, – there's certain things that they bring. That's why you hire them. But there's certain things that you believe in, you instill in your program that you that you want to believe in. And there, were, there was turnover those last three years on his staff. So, you know, people started, call, people started calling for his head. Then right – after the SIAC regular season, between the regular season and the SIAC championship, it was announced that he was no longer going to be the athletics director, and that the coaching position was going to be done was going to be decided by the new athletic director. Then there was a rumor that he was going to retire after the uh, Tur- Turkey Day Classic. He did not retire after the Turkey Day Classic, which took a lot of people by surprise made you wonder like what the hell <laughs> then then you, you hire form, former coach from your right currently with your rival Reginald Ruffin as the athletics director then that, that became an interesting dynamic to this because Reginald Ruffin former defensive coordinator for Willie Slater 
on some of those championship teams that Slater was head coach on. How was this going to play out? Was he going to keep his former mentor as the head coach and just run the business of the university? Well, we found out real quickly, like, no, I need I need to have both these jobs uh, right now. Now, we don't know what the factors in that were, but you never heard a statement not only from Slater, but from Tuskegee University on what his status was because there were rumors he was going to be retained as a special consultant to the athletic department. You know, there were different things flying around. And then out of left field, he he had where? When, say what? Let me get off my soapbox before I before I say something and I won't be able to go back to another homecoming. I'll say it for you. Uh, the way y'all treated Coach Slater, Tuskegee, you were wrong. It was wrong. It was shameful. That man deserved way more than what you gave him as he walked out the door. Where, I, hold on. I'm going to go to GoldenTigers.com. Let me, let me go to GoldenTigers.com uh, and, and go look and see. Did, uh, did Tuskegee give him the proper uh, – well, that's that's not the website. What's the website? Yes. It's not the, go, go to Tigers. Uh, go to Tigers Athletics. Golden Tigers Athletic. Uh, yeah. So, um, Golden Tigers Sports. Come on now. See, you don't even what? know their own website. Come on. Anyway, look, I, I, was, I, I just do a little typing and it pops up automatically <laughs> on my uh, on my computer. As I go through the news section, right? I'm going through the news section. There's no story that says, you know, Coach Slater steps down or we're moving on from Coach Slater. We thank Coach Slater for the – how many years? 16. How many championships? <laughs> I mean, whatever. You, you, you plug in the numbers. What? Nothing. Yes. Nothing on the I, website. I, 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 Brian, if you want to find out all the information on Coach Slater, go back to the article that I wrote on Coach Slater and gave him his roses on his way out the door. Or I'll, I'll read even better. I'll read what Clark Atlanta wrote about Coach Slater. Slater spent the past 16 years at Tuskegee, where his teams were 123 and 47, winning SIAC titles in 06, 07, 08, 09, 2012, 2014, 2017. The 2007 uh, squad was the HBCU national champion with a 12-0 record. His team's had nine wins in eight of its first seven, or excuse me, eight of his first 10 seasons and had winning seasons in nine of those 10 years. Slater has won more SIAC championships than anyone in the SIC. They didn't even capitalize the word anyone, but I would have, all right? He was the national coach of the year. But anyway, I can go on. That comes from Clark. Clark did a better press release than Tuskegee did as he walked out the door. So, Drew, I know you can't say it, but I'm going to say it. You're wrong, Tuskegee. The way you treated Coach Slater, you were wrong. It's going to come back to roost when Clark Atlanta catches a hold of you this upcoming season or the next year or whenever Clark and Tuskegee play. You best believe the chicken's going to come home to roost on that one. Uh, that was so – Moving forward here, moving forward, okay? I'm going to get off that box for a second. The interesting part of the press release is what Coach Slater says in uh, his comments. He said, quote, I think the facilities are impressive. 
when guys come here, <laughs> when guys come here, they'll see that the program is headed in the right direction. The administration is dedicated to making the program competitive. And I think that once the young men get there, they're going to understand that and see that. That excites me. I'm assuming that excites me. I'm excited about this program. He said everything you needed to know right there. Facilities, impressive. Administration dedicated to making the program competitive. Hello, Tuskegee. He's talking about y'all. He's talking about y'all. He's letting you know how he really felt, and he's mad you didn't give him his flowers as he as you as you pushed him out the door. So that's all I got to say on that one. But uh, I can't wait for Clark v. Uh, Tuskegee. Uh, I, I'd love for that to be an SIC championship. I'll make my early prediction, Drew. Can I make my early prediction now? Clark versus Tuskegee. <laughs> In the 2022 SIC championship. Is it too soon? Is it yes, too it soon? Is. That's all I want to know. It it's is. too soon. Okay. It's too soon. All right. It's too soon. All right. It's too soon. Okay. okay. All right. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And uh, before we move on from the SIAC West, Brian, do, do you realize that uh, every coach in the SIAC West, the most experienced coach, is at Lane College? Uh, wow. No, I didn't know that until you said that earlier. Yes. Better question. Yes. How many people can name Lane's head coach? <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm not, I'm just saying that just to be like, <laughs> you know, do you know who he is? I mean, you know, it just is what it is. I mean, you know, unfortunately, you know, Lane had a good season, but uh, not too many people are going to know who their head coach is. You know, I, I'm not going to confess the, I'm not going to lie and tell you, I know him either. I, cause, cause I don't, I'm sitting yeah. here looking online to figure out Vi- who, who the coach Vi- is. But. Vi- Viren Brown. Okay. Is the head coach. Guess how long, guess what he took the job at Lang. It was late. He two took years, the job late. Two years ago this month. February oh, so he had of 2020. He had the coach. So he, he only had has one year. Everyone else is in their first year with their team in the SIAC West. But obviously the most experienced coach is uh, Ruffin, though. Yes, but when you talk, when you consider currently with their team, right. Brown has been with his team longer than anyone in the SIAC West. It was going to make the SIAC West – Interested, just like Slater going over to the East is going to make make that uh inter- is going to be interested in the East. When you add uh Gabe Giardinia, you've got uh Freeman right across the street at, at Morehouse. Now you've got a Willie Slater in the SIAC East. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what Savannah does, as that's still one of the openings that we have. We know that they have the players there. Do they have the leader of for those players? And Benedict is always Benedict is you know, a hit or miss team every year when it comes to the uh, SIAC. And well, Brian, you may get your wish because will the SIAC move Clark and Morehouse into the West to balance the divisions mm-hmm. out? As you've got Ever Waters coming in, which would mean Tuskegee and Clark would be on an annual rotation at that point. 
interesting to see how that's going to turn out. It makes the most sense to move one of the Atlanta, one or both of the Atlanta schools over to the West, in my opinion. Right. And, and, and the other reason, Brian, that uh, the SIC West has all these freshman coaches is because of the story that went up under the radar, Brian. And that is Charlie Jackson at Kentucky State. Resigned from Kentucky State just before National Society Day to become the assistant head coach at his alma mater, Air Force, in uh, Colorado. Um, hey, good, truly one of the one of my favorite coaches in the SIC. Um, I had the pleasure of talking to him in 2019. I still remember it. I still predicted. I mean, he and Coach Quinn, who both bo- th- those are two losses that are significant, I think, in the SIAC. The fact that you lost Quinn and Jackson after just three years, two seasons, uh, two very innovative coaches who, who, who took – I mean, think about what Jackson did. Jackson took over a team that was winless, 0-10. Bottom, the dregs of the SIC instantly turned them around uh, they went 14 and seven in the two seasons. Uh, I, I don't know whether you say three years, two seasons, however you want to say it, but the two seasons they played, uh, he upset a couple of uh, SI, uh, a couple, he, he, look, he upset Jackson State in his first year. Actually, they beat two FCS schools in his first year. Uh, he really contended this year that team for the West title this past year, Andrew, most notably what he can probably, I know he's a defensive guy, right? But he will get credit for coaching in the first and maybe the only perfect offensive game that has ever taken place in black college football, to my knowledge. And that was when they went a perfect 10 for 10, 10 drives, 10 touchdowns, no punts, perfect passing, no turnovers, no punts. I might have said no punts twice against Edward Waters uh, <laughs> last season. The perfect game. You give me a better perfect offensive game, and I'll consider. But to this day, Charlie Jackson, the head coach of Kentucky State, when they did a perfect offensive game, um, one of my fa- and look, he's going to, he's going back home. So you know, look, I you can't fault him for going back home. He's going to be an assistant head coach. Charlie Jackson will be a head coach in in college. Who knows? He's got NFL ties. He might end up becoming one of those guys we hear about 10 years from now. But uh, really impressive time. And I hope Kentucky State was able to or is able to find somebody that can sort of replace and continue because he really changed that program around. And he left it in a better place than when he got it. And that's all you can do. That's all any of these coaches, any coach can ask to do is to leave it in a better place than you found it. And hopefully the administration doesn't screw it up the next year. That's all you can do. Staying with the SIAC. Yeah, no, this is not the SIAC sports rap. This is the BCSN sports rap. Just happens to be that all the news is in the SIAC. Sean Gibbs comes over from 
North Carolina A&T and is now the head coach at Fort Valley State University, Brian. Your 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 opinion on this one? Good pickup for Fort Valley. Uh, Gibbs has a nice pedigree, 19 years of assistant coaching, most notably at North Carolina A&T. He's a North Carolina Central guy. He spent some time there as well, spent a couple years at Grambling. Uh, most notably, he was the running backs coach at A&T, and I believe every season but one since 2011, he had a running back rush for over 1,000 yards. And, of course, some of the names that were there, uh, and, you know, I see I see our guy Jamie Walker is checking out the show. He knows these names very well. Mike Mayhew, who was a MEAC Offensive Player of the Year. Then, of course, after him, you had the Tariq Cohen years. After Cohen, I think, uh, what else did you have? Uh, I'm just kind of uh, Cartwright, Markel Cartwright. Then and then Jamaine Martin. So, I mean, four – I mean, all four all four of those running backs were part of great, successful teams at North Carolina A and T, uh, and Gibbs was a was a major part of their success. And so he comes over to Fort Valley, and uh, it's a good opportunity, good opportunity for him. So, um, you know, he he spent his time twenty years as an assistant coach, and so it's time for him to start to make that progression forward and. Uh, who knows? I'm, I'm telling you now. I don't know how long Coach uh, Coach uh, Washington has as the head coach. I'm sure I'm not writing him off and saying it's going to happen in a year or two, but uh, would not be surprised in, what, three to five years should Coach Washington decide to step down or move on or worse, uh, you know, it doesn't work out. Coach, uh, coach Gibbs will be nice and seasoned and uh, ready to take over there at North Carolina A&T should that open up. But but I'll, we'll give him some time at Fort Valley. I know I'm, I'm writing off his future before he's even started his first game. But uh, that just goes to speak to uh, to how how nice of a selection that is for Fort Valley State. So uh, good, for, good for them. Good for them. So SIC gets a little bit better with some of their coaching hires. It'll make for a fun uh, upcoming season. Any other coaching change? Am I missing? Am I missing? Am I missing one? Were they all in the SIAC? No, I, oh, I uh, uh, Tyrone Wheatley. Forgot about oh, Tyrone yeah, Wheatley. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, what is it? Wheatley is leaving, but uh, well, I don't. Is it official that he's left yet, or is this just rumors? I believe this is. Uh, I don't think an official statement has come out, but you, you know, with that smoke, that's fire, especially that type of smoke, Brian. <laughs> right so uh the speculation was that Wheatley where was he headed where was potentially he was heading back to the NFL uh with um was it Houston yeah Houston Te- uh Houston Texans well on Lovey uh Lovey Smith staff supposedly Smith that staff. is correct yeah that that's supposedly the rumors that are running around um so we don't know I haven't seen anything official yet but, and uh, you know the NFL the, doesn't uh, like to put that type of news out during Super Bowl week, so we expect something to come out uh, next week on that. On that, 
Um, no, no, no. Let's let's backtrack for a second. It's not Houston. It's the Denver Broncos. So this is I'm okay. looking at ESPN report. Uh, <clears throat> Tyrone Wheatley or Denver Broncos expected to hire Morgan State head coach Tyrone Wheatley Wheatley as running backs coach. So uh, Wheatley five and eighteen in his I guess that's three seasons at Morgan State. So, uh, you know, good, good for him. You know, not, it's always good to see, uh, even though coaches may not have had a successful run as the head coach, it's an upgrade. He's getting a chance to sort of upgrade and and move up, uh, to, uh, to a job in the NFL. And of course he's a former NFL player, um, spent some time with the Jaguars and Buffalo bills. And of course, well-known as a Michigan running back, um, so, hey, you know, uh, that good, good for, uh, Wheatley, good for Wheatley, uh, lo- losing will do that to you, you know, but I'm sure, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure he hate, no, I mean, all seriousness, I'm sure, you know, uh, he, he, he leaves behind some, some, some young men that he's really invested his time and energy into, but, uh, Wheatley's 50 years old and, uh, you know, it's, it's a good time. It's a good time to move forward. So uh, good luck to uh, Coach Wheatley. If the if the story holds true and the Broncos do actually hire him, again, this is coming uh, from uh, an ESPN article. Apparently it was first reported by On3 Sports and Pro Football Network. So that's that. All right. Any 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 other uh, coaching news you want to get to? I think that was the last one that we had on our list there, Brian. Unless you've got something in your notes that I missed. No, sir. Let's uh, let's get ready to go to a break, Drew. Come back. Let's ask some questions. We got questions to ask of this super messy situation going on in Memphis, Tennessee, and we're gonna ask questions. Not really sure who we're gonna give us get answers from. We're just asking questions. That's what we do. Uh, We'll be back in just a moment. You're watching the BCSN Sports Wrap. Oh, that spin class was brutal. Oh, you can try using the Buick's massaging seat. Oh, yeah, that's nice. Can I use Apple CarPlay to put some music on? Sure. It's wireless. Pick something we all like. Okay, hold on. What's your Buick's Wi-Fi password? Buick Envision 2021. Oh, you should pick something stronger. That's really predictable. That's a really tight spot. Don't worry. I used to hate parallel parking. Me too. Hey. Really outdid yourself. Yes, we did. The all-new Buick Envision, an SUV built around you, all of you. Thank you guys for what you do for HBCU Athletics. This is a fantastic avenue for 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 all of us. This is our ESPN, so we we we, we love what you guys do, Brian, AD, Roy, all you guys at BCSN. We really appreciate what it is that you got you guys do for us. credit repair company to fix my credit hold the phone man you can do it yourself with credit versio that's way too hard call the credit repair company most credit repair companies only work on one or two accounts at a time making it slow and expensive you won't figure that out for months <laughs> ignore him credit versio's brilliant software scans all three credit bureaus finds the accounts that are hurting your score and guides you through the entire process anyone can do it let's fast forward and see the results <laughs> wow i fixed my own credit and saved hundreds you can do this visit creditversio.com 
Since 2002, Empowerment Resources, Inc., a nonprofit organization, has empowered more than 1,500 youth and adults in Duval and surrounding counties. Through its programs, Journey into Womanhood, Girls Mentoring, Life Skills for Teens, and Parenting Education Coaching. To get involved with programs, volunteer, or donate, visit www.empowermentresourcesinc.org. Follow us on social media, facebook.com forward slash empowerment.resources and instagram.com forward slash empowermentjax. For 200 years, Montgomery, Alabama has been making history by people who had the courage to stand up for change. Today, this riverfront city has been reborn embracing the past and looking forward to the future. From the National Memorial for Peace and Justice to the stage of the Alabama Shakespeare Festival, this is where history was and is made. We are proud to call Montgomery home, and together, we can be the change. Okay, welcome back to the BCSN Sports Wrap. Brian and AD here. All right, AD, let's get in the let's let's get into this uh, the timeline and some of the things regarding revolving around the Southern Heritage Classic story. Because since our last show, new developments have happened. Uh, one minute they're out. Uh, one minute. Bull- more new developments. Oh, more new developments since we've last I talked. Say, yeah. uh, Man. One minute they're out, one minute they're back in. And I'm talking about Jackson State. They are. They have uh, notified publicly that they are back in the uh, Southern Heritage Classic for this season. Uh, many... Many are speculating that they will not be uh, participating in the although I don't know that I read that specifically, but I think what I just read was that they did say that we are we are participating um and I want to pull up, pull up uh, the the correct info here. So give me a second as we kind of go through what that timeline looks like. Um, okay, timeline, and I, and I think it's important to kind of, as I look at this whole thing, I'm looking at timeline, right? When did when did people know? When did things happen? How did this all kind of spiral out of control? Um, I, I think it's also interesting, Drew. For any organization, any organization, I think when you have a situation coming up, you want to have your key stakeholders on the same page, and that the messaging that's going out. What do I mean? In university, I'm going to use that because this is most recent. Uh, when they made it, started to make it known 
that they obviously had lost to Jackson State, realized that if they were going to make an attempt at postseason play, that they all had to kind of be on brand, the athletic director, the head coach, um, even the even the president, alumni, uh, national alumni president. The, the messaging had to come out and it had to be consistent as to why why should we have an opportunity to play in the postseason, right? And it kind of started, uh, I think, uh, and I asked Coach Simmons this question, I think it started somewhere about late September, early October. And never forget, he had been through this situation before. Once he realized that he had a good enough team to go to the playoffs and that one-point loss potentially to a team that really wasn't going to lose. I mean, he he knew that it was very unlikely that Jackson State would lose another game. So along with AD Courtney Gaucher, Coach Simmons, other stakeholders in, involved in the process, got on board with the same message and common message and said that, look, in order for us to go to the playoffs, <clears throat> this is why. We we have to obviously win our ball games, but here's why we're deserving. Okay, X, Y, and Z. And then they had to go out on the field and prove it. And Coach Simmons had been in this situation before with Prairie. And they waited November to start this conversation, right? He started the conversation in October. To much to the chagrin of a lot of people that were questioning, why are they bringing this up now? And week after week, as you saw what was happening in football, and you see that FAMU were winning ball games and how they were winning. They had a top-level defense because the stats and rankings all started to show it. People started buying into it. By the time they hit November, the discussion was real that, hey, FAMU is a legit squad. They have a legit defense. They're just as good as anybody else in the FCS. Then they started getting ranked, and they knew they had to get ranked, but they had to bring the attention. So everybody was on the same page. The communication was there. What I have seen in this last two weeks, different different communication, different people saying different things. Now, uh, yes, you know, supposedly information has been leaked, um, but let's go back to the time. <laughs> And use that term loosely. Well, look, let's go to the timeline and let's ask questions because that's what we're here to do. We're asking questions, right? Um, January 26th is when the SWAC Classic announcement was made stating that Jackson State was going to be a part of this three, uh, three-year deal, the first year against UAPB, two year, other years against Southern. That already caught people's What's funny is the attention was on the Southern games, right? Remember back, the everyone's focus was on, oh, what's going to happen to us playing Southern and the home and home and blah, blah, blah. And then he had to explain to people, well, look, the money works. It's a better deal for everybody, right? Nobody was focused in on 2022. Nobody was looking at the this year against UAPB. Why? Because to every to what everyone knew, Jackson State had a contract, which they signed in 2019, stating that they would play in the Southern Heritage Classic through 2024. Everyone knew. The contract said they would earn about $350,000, too, apparently, according to what I read from uh, HBCU Sports, right? So all of that was out there. Nobody was looking at the current year. Everyone was looking in the future, talking and complaining about the future games. 
question for me is, if somebody knew, based on a letter that was going to go out to Fred Jones, the promoter, on February 1 at 6 p.m., stating that we are going to no longer play in the Southern Heritage Classic, if everybody knew that letter was going to Fred Jones, why, why didn't anybody in the days between January 26th and February 1, were all of those people aware that that was happening? Did anybody say, hey, this is the kind of backlash that might happen. Let's all be on the same page. Let's all make sure we communicate the same thing. If we're asked, if we, if we're, at, if we're asked about it, okay, did, did everybody be on the same page, you know, um, so that's that's the first thing, and I'm wondering why was that not done? You know, and, hey, and it, hey, it's let's put a pin on that. Okay, uh, th- think we Let, just got take, a special guest that just showed up. Let's let's take a break, come back for a second, and uh, come back. We got a we got a special guest that's that's joining us, uh, and so we'll we'll get back to it. Maybe we'll get back to it. If not, maybe we'll have to. We'll have to opine on it a little bit later. Let's take a short break. Come back. Got a special guest coming in joining the show. Uh, You're watching a BCSN Sports Wrap. We'll be back in just a moment. This is the dean of the College of HBCU Sports, Kenyatta Cavill of Dr. Cavill's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. Come mix it up in the lab where the course lecture is in session every Tuesday from 6 o'clock p.m. Central Standard Time on Facebook Live, YouTube, Spreaker, or the BCSN app. As we discuss all things about the HBCU sports culture, including exploring the week that was in the sporting HBCU dashboard, as well as the upcoming week of HBCU sports. With me, the Dean, the College of HBCU Sports, on Dr. Cavill's Inside HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Watts and Charles Bishop. Course lecture dismissed. interrupt what we were talking about earlier because we got a special guest joining us right now the head women's basketball coach at savannah state university coach cedric baker joining us on the sports wrap coach baker how you doing this afternoon fine how are you thanks for having me yes sir yes sir thank you for joining us and uh uh right off the bat uh your your team is one of the hottest teams in black college basketball in women's basketball, uh, every category uh, that fits. And uh, I, I've had the, the pleasure of calling several games, and your team is is so fun to watch and call. Uh, what has this season been like for you at this point, knowing that there's still a lot to come? But at this point, what has this season been like for you? Uh, well, first of all, thanks for having me again, and uh, appreciate you give you know calling up, calling the games. And for for us this year, it's it's been fun uh, coming out of uh, a year of of COVID nineteen. Of course, you know we're not um, all the way post COVID, but um, just having to um, now get our fans back in the arena, uh, being able to um, get on the sideline, create that bonding. Um, you know, with the team and just kind of do those day-to-day operational things that, 
you know, coaches enjoy doing, you know, having lunch with your players, you know, meeting in film sessions, you know, in person versus, you know, being doing things virtual. So um, just just creating that family like atmosphere that that you need in, to, in order to, you know, create an environment that's conducive for learning. But it's just been fun for me to just to get back in the gym on a full time basis and um, get back to a sense of normalcy. One of the impressive things about your team is I, I feel like every time I call a game, there's a different way that your team beats your opponent. You have size, you have uh, good shooting and good uh, good shooting uh, uh, athleticism on the wings. You have point guards who are quick, push the tempo. Um, you've got a your bench plays hard. You've really built. A, I, I think a championship team. I mean, it's hard to kind of game plan, I think, for Savannah State. Uh, talk a little bit about the process of putting this team together and bringing these this particular squad together. Well, first of all, you know, just, you know, putting a program together, you, you want a program, you know, uh, one that that's going to run continuously, you know, through the fall, through the through the spring and through the summer, so it is a, it's definitely a, a process. Uh, but of course, you want a balanced team as well. So we address you know every position. Of course, you know from from our guard perspective, from the wing perspective, and the post. Uh, one thing special about this team um, is it's it's dime a dozen guards come a dime a dozens, probably wings and forwards come a dime a dozen. But this particular team, I definitely have a true post player who is one of our leading scorers, which which she anchors the post. She can score in the post. She can, you know, um, guard in the post as well. And, that, and I'm speaking of Bria Gibbs. So she definitely, you know, balances us out, um, you know, on the floor. But uh, we're an opportunistic, you know, program. Uh, we take whatever, you know, the defense presents in front of us. If it's a zone, uh, we want to be prepared to attack that. If it's man-to-man, we want to be able to, you know, execute at a very high level. But um, just going into the process, it's all about, you know, recruiting, of course. That's the bloodline of our program. And we just want young ladies that, you know, want to be at Savannah State. That's that's first and foremost. Um, they want to be here uh, because I, I truly believe, you know, what you do off the court is going to be a direct correlation of what you do on the court. So it's important within that process, too to meet their academic needs. So we have kids who um, are confident in our academic programs and it carry, carries over to the court and uh, they're able to, you know, execute and play at a high level and um, be be able to be receptive to the day-to-day grind, grind of a student athlete. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Drew. All right. Coach. Uh, yes, sir. P- people say your team can't, came out of nowhere. But uh, even going back and looking over the last three years, you've had you've had fairly decent success. Not at this level, but you you have had success. Uh, what has been the difference this year with the uh, with a wild wow, twenty and one record uh, that you have this year compared to some of the other years where you would have four, five, seven losses by this point in time in the season? Well, uh, this is you know my my. 29th year of coaching women's basketball. And uh, I've been blessed, you know, to have some, you know, have the opportunity to coach some amazing players. Um, 
we won the MEAC championship in 2015. And after that year, of course, you know, the university made a transition to Division II. So along with that transition and along with, you know, the NCAA portal, um, some of those young ladies, they wanted to continue to play at that particular level. So um, just having to, like we talked about earlier, the process, we had to kind of address recruiting um, differently. We had to re-identify ourselves, get out to the high school coaches and junior college coaches and to the student athletes and let them know, okay, who we are. We're still Savannah State University, but now, you know, we're a division two program. So we had to remarket ourselves. So during that process, you know, we lost some kids, we gained some kids. So now this class of kids, they, they, they've been in a program one year, um, they've gotten acclimated to our communication system, what we do offensively, defensively, and uh, this is just the fruits of their labor. Um, last year, we were only able to get in seven games, but we only had two losses. We went five and two. So um, we used last year as a springboard uh, for this year, and uh, we've been blessed to have you know the success that we've had. We've never gotten off to this type of start since I've been at Savannah State, um, but it's definitely been a joy to coach. Now, Talk about your time with Savannah State as a Division One and as a Division Two. For those, for the layman fan out there, talk about just the differences between playing and competing at that level, the Division One level versus Division Two level. Obviously, we know there are different scholarship requirements and uh, different things like that. But just for the layman fan, as far as the product on the court, what are some of the biggest differences uh, that there are? Um, definitely, you know, um, Division One to Division Two, and I've coached, you know, at both an NAI level. Um, the resources, you know, have to meet the expectations, of course. Um, but I would say the difference between Division One women's basketball and let's say Division Two is just stacking success. You'll have probably fifteen McDonald's All Americans versus, you know, Division Two. You may have, you know, five to eight, you know, high level kids. Um, and, and it's it's all about, you know, how depth, how deep you can go into that bench. Um, but there are great coaches and great players at all levels. And to be honest with you, when you start watching the game, Division One, Division Two, hey, fans just want to see a good brand of basketball. And uh, but for but for me, um, Division One, Division Two, II, Division Three, NAI. For me, I tell my players we we want to be prepared to play any team in the country. And my number one goal is when a student athlete leaves my program, and if they decide to choose, you know, coaching as a career, I want them to at least have the basic fundamentals of knowing how to go on a college campus or or, or go to a high school or middle school. And, and be able to to build a program. So not only am I, you know, concerned with their you know, career here and that time they spend with me on campus, but I'm also thinking where they want to be five, 10 years down the road. So, you know, I take on that responsibility um, and, and to, to make sure they're successful, you know, after college. But, you know, the coaching is good, you know, Division One, Division Two to answer your question. But I would say it was, it's the depth. And, and also the size, you know, um, at Division One, you may run into a couple guards who might be five, eleven, six feet. And uh, when you get to Division Two, you might give up a, a few inches like my, my two point guards. 
um, they're they're probably hitting right at five five, you know, five six. But uh, being in the MEAC and playing some of the SEC schools, um, you may get a point guard from five ten to six feet. But hey, you know, it's a matter of you know just coming out, you know, playing hard, being successful. And um, I tell kids if if you really work at it um, and and really work at your craft, hey. And, and believe you, you can be competitive at, at, at all levels. And we've had success against, you know, UCF. We beat University of Florida, you know, as a Division One program. So it's a matter of believing and uh, preparation is the key. Uh, talking about the brand of uh, basketball, and it's funny you, you brought that up because that, that is what, from day one, that, you know, I, I watched the team early in the season. That's what caught me. The tempo is is go it's like up and down but it's it's organized you know for those for those of us who coach it's not like it's like hey there's an organized break and it's a it's a full court pressure defense and i've as i've studied your team and watched your team between your guards and you mentioned size of your guards and and, and your two point guards mia goolsby and uh nyla allen i I think i've got it right i've I've, I've called their names enough that i I think i got it (laughs) They're, they're they're short, but they run transition so far better than anybody I've seen in the SIC. Now you know I, I haven't. I, I'll get a chance to see you know what everyone else has in the upcoming weeks, <clears throat> but they run transition better than any two guards that I've seen. And then you're again, you have wings who run. You've got bigs who run. Talk a little bit about that style and the brand of basketball that you're playing. That you're the 15th, uh, 15th scoring offense in the country. Um, the, the, the tempo, you're, you're scoring in the 70s, 80s. As a matter of fact, you had a 100-point game the other day, uh, the, the other week. Talk a little bit about the brand and the decision uh, uh, to play at that tempo. Is that is that just something that you felt this team can do? Is it a product of the guard? Just, just expand on that a little bit for us. Um, yes, sir. Uh, well, in, in within our system, you know, I've, I've had the, the privilege of coaching some, you know, really good guards, you know, Ivy Smith. And we had Ezene Kalou, who played in the Olympics this past summer with, you know, the Nigerian Olympic team, who was an outstanding point guard within the MIAC conference and here at Savannah State University. And uh, this year, you know, we have Mia Guzman, Nyla Allen, who's who's been, you know, the, the heart of our team. But um, it's definitely, you know, by design. Um my point guard play, you know, they're our first scoring opportunity. And a lot of times in programs, um, point guards are more so facilitators. But um, I realized the women's game is so close to the NBA game. You know, our shot clock is at 30. NBA game is at 24. So it's about tempo and it's about decision making, you know, and also executing the fundamentals at a very high level uh, with pace. So um, it's by design to, to answer your question. We start practice off, you know, um, three ladies down, which is, which is a drill we do, you know, kicking the ball up the sideline, just basic fundamentals, attacking the basket, you know, under control. Um, and those kids have, have bought into that. But it starts with rebounding. Um, you know, it starts inside. You have to, of course, uh, get a rebound and then, of course, you know, start your, start your break. And, um, you know, that's our primary offense, our secondary offense. Then, of course, um, they have to read um, and then react, you know, based based on the defense um, that they see, you know, in front of them um, 
uh, whatever defense our opponent, you know, presents. But um, it definitely starts in practice. And I, I believe um, the numbers don't lie. We, we stat a lot in practice. We stat turnovers. We stat deflections. We stat rebounds. We stat whoever gets a charge in practice. So um, I'm, a, I'm a firm believer, you know, student athletes, they're visual learners. So if they can see, you know, where they're making progress, it's definitely going to um, transfer over into uh, real game-like situations. But we definitely want to control tempo. Um, but I, I'm a firm believer that, you know, good offense comes from good defense. Uh, bad defense turns into bad offense. So uh, we've had some pretty good defensive possessions. So we've been able to get out and run, get some stops. Yes, sir. All right, Go Coach. Ahead, uh, got, got a very tough week coming up. Uh, yes, sir. Tomorrow, you've got Benedict, who yes, put, put, the, put the one on you in, uh, in that loss column. And then once you, quote, unquote, relax from that game, got Tuskegee coming up on Saturday. So and when you look at this SIEC women's side, I mean, you've got four teams that have established themselves as kind of the leaders of the pack. Those are the two teams I mentioned along with Miles on the in the SIAC West. So first, talk, talk, talk about Miles, a uh, previous opponent, but I really want you to get into, without getting into your game plan, your two opponents for this upcoming week. Uh, well, Miles College, you know, coached by, you know, Coach Wallace there in Birmingham. Um, they they do a great job. He's coming off a, you know, good win versus Tuskegee. And Coach Powell at Tuskegee um, does a great job. A lot of respect, you know, for the coaches um, in the SIC, not to mention, um, you know, the coach over at Lane, Coach Coach Kim and um, Benedict. You know, they have Coach Rice, um, experienced coaches, uh, championship coaches um, that they've built you know, solid programs. Um, we have uh, Benedict on tomorrow, you know, veteran squad. Um, they have balance. They have, you know, quality depth. Um, they have good guard play. Um, it's going to come down to what we do with one to five seconds on the shot clock. Um, that's 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 going to be, you know, that's, that's going to determine um, who imposes their will offensively um, and defensively. Um, it's going to be a great game, you know, for our fans and, and for uh, fans of, you know, college women's basketball to, you know, come out and see, um, you know, amazing, amazing, you know, uh, atmosphere here on the campus of Savannah State. So uh, we're, we're excited about playing um, a Coach Rice, you know, led team. Uh, they have the former um, player of the year in the SIC, um, the Bay Kid. Um, so we're excited about that matchup with her and Gibbs and, um, my point guards, Bria and Nyla, um, they're, they're new in the program here. This is um, um, Mia's first year playing in the SIC, and Nyla's a freshman, of course, and uh, they're, they're up for the challenge. So I'm excited, you know, about the opportunity. And, uh, of course, we'll have a game plan, you know, going in. But um, from, from a coaching perspective, it's all about adjustments. Um, they, at this point, you know, they know our offense is what we like to do defensively. And, and vice versa. So as the game flow, you know, see how the calls are going, you know, score, time, situation. Um, we we want to make the necessary adjustments and hopefully those things will equate to a win. Uh, now, uh, I, know, I know coaches haven't been in the coaching profession. You don't like to look too for, forward ahead, but you, you have to think about this, especially on a conference level. Yes, sir. Uh, tournament is coming up. 
obviously only one of you all will win the tournament. Uh, four great, te- four good teams. Only one of y'all will win the tournament. Can the SIAC get two, even three teams to the region? Um, I truly believe so. Um, you know, my my experience coaching, you know, um, at the NAI level, Division One level, um, I always go into the season thinking championship. Even from the first day of practice, we want to be able to execute defensively, offensively uh, with any team in the country, be it the number one team in the country or the number 25 team um, in the country. And we want to be one of the best teams um, in our division. Um, And that's why we waste so much um, importance on the regular season to have the best season available to us um, so that if because anything can happen in the tournament. But you want a well-respected program, not just a team, a well-respected program that the, the administration or your peers feel that you deserve to be in that region play because it's about the best teams in the region. And I truly believe that SIAC have some of the best athletes and the best teams and best universities and colleges within the region. And, um, you know, that's what we talk about brand. Um, that's my responsibility here to put a first class program on the floor, not just on the floor, but off the floor as well. How we travel, you know, our video equipment, um, our staff behind the games, um, our presentation, our fan experience, all those things going to go into play. And, and I'm blessed to have a president and AD um, who want to uh, be TV ready. That's what I always call it, being TV ready. And if you're TV ready and you're doing things first class, you're going to get that respect and start getting two and three and four teams um, in, in, in the in the region tournament, because that's what happens. People see teams at face value. And we want to when people look at our conference, when they look at our teams, they want to know, hey, it's quality basketball being played in the SIAC. Right. Most definitely. And, and there is quality basketball being played at Savannah State. And again, I'm looking forward to Monday's contest. Uh, hopefully, uh, the, the 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 social media campaigns have begun. Uh, the student bodies get there early, get there at five, be be a part of the pregame and everything. Uh, tip off is set for five thirty against Benedict College. Uh, both teams are sitting tied right now in the East Division of the conference, and uh, that is a uh, five thirty. Tip-off game will be broadcast on Flow Sports. Um, Coach, I got I got to ask you, seeing as how it's Super Sunday, uh, Super yes, Bowl sir. Sunday, do you, do you have an interest or do you have a, a side that you're rooting for, uh, L.A. or Cincinnati? Well, I'm all things Georgia. Uh, I will say that the Falcons are out. So uh, but, uh, I like the way – you know, both teams are playing. The Rams, you know, great defense um, there in L.A. And um, I, I like the offense uh, that Cincinnati is, is putting on putting on the field. So I, I would say I'm going to root for the underdog. I'm going to go with, go with Cincinnati. Um, I, I, I'll, I'll root for them on this Sunday. There you go. Keep it in the, keep it in the cat family. There you go. I, I like hey, that. Keep go. it keep in the cat, cat family. family. <laughs> right. Yeah. All right, right. Coach. Appreciate your time, Coach Baker, Coach Cedric Baker, uh, Savannah State again. Uh, first of the doubleheader tomorrow against Benedict College. Actually, hey, look, student body, everybody, community of Savannah, 
two good games. I mean, we are expecting yes, two good games, yes, and yes, uh, the, the the first one is is going to be a, a knockdown drag out. I expect a great contest. Looking forward to it again. 5.30 is the tip-off. Get there by 5. Uh, that's Eastern time. Uh, so, uh, Coach Baker, uh, enjoy a little bit of the game tonight, and then uh, good luck to you and the ladies tomorrow. I'm looking forward to calling the game. All right, thank you. Thanks for having me. You guys have a good day. All right. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you for your time. All right. Again, uh, Coach Baker, Savannah State University, uh, women's basketball, uh, currently with a record of 21 and one. Uh, Let's let's kind of transition into our top five for this week, Drew, as we uh, get ready to kind of wrap up the show. Uh, I I know I, I had some some thoughts and some questions, but you know, Hey, uh, you know, I'll, maybe I'll, maybe we'll do a separate little pod thing on Monday or something. If time permits, I don't know. We'll, we'll figure it out. I'll do, I'll do something. I don't know. I'll, I'll get, get these questions off our chest that we put out there. So let's start. Let me make sure to pull this up, Drew, cause we got our top five rankings. Again, these are, this is, Ooh, I'm starting to lose count. Drew, is this seven? So, who knows, man? Let me see. I've got a brother right here. One, two, three, four, five, six. This is our sixth release. Really? We never okay. released. We never released our preseason one, which would have been number seven. We we did it internally, but by the t- because that was the week of Christmas. By the time we released it, it was actually poll number one. All right, so this is week number six. This feels like yeah, seven. At least number but, six. Yeah. All right, I'll take your word on it. All, all games through Saturday, February twelfth, or is it through? Yeah, through the through the twelfth. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Correct. All right, so we're going to start with the Division One men's. These are computer rankings again, and as we do with the BCSN top five, we only count the games in your division. Uh, so, you know, if you're a D1, we're not counting those games against the lower levels. If you're a D2 or NAIA, we're not counting them against the D1s and things of that nature. So we give you credit for what you do within your division. Yes. And no graphic this week because of the early start time. We, uh, we're not able to complete all of the graphics. All right. So let's go posted to our Twitter. All right. So let's go five to one here in the men's. All right, so if I get anything wrong, you jump in there and correct me. Uh, Just outside of the top five, uh, surprisingly, North Carolina Central and Howard, both sitting outside of the top five. Uh, I'm I'm, I'm flabbergasted as I just saw number five there. That's right. Number five is South Carolina State uh, coming in to the top five Division I men's Record of ten and eleven, five and three in conference. Again, I can't. T- this team was one of the worst ranked teams in all of college basketball a year ago. So to see them in the top five, that's what kind of. That's why I kind of did like what. That's why I kind of did a double take there, Drew. That's uh, pretty impressive. Number four, Alcorn State. Despite their loss to Bethune Cookman, they come in at number four, nine and fifteen overall, eight and four in conference play. Number three, 
Southern University, tough loss uh, by Southern to Prairie View the other day. Uh, they are 12 and 10 overall, 8 and 3 in conference play. Number two might be the hottest team in uh, the SWAC, or they are probably the hottest team in the SWAC. That is Texas Southern, 11 and 10 overall, 9 and 3 in conference play. Uh, they're actually tied with Southern, I believe. Uh, Drew, I believe Southern lost two this week. They did, uh, yeah. Because, uh, well, yeah. okay, okay. According to the, if I looked at the standings, I think I had looked at the the men's standings, and I'm just I'm just going off SwatPage.com, just trying to make sure that their standings show. So Southern and Texas Southern, they're showing both of those at nine and three overall. Right. So in conference play. And number one, are they back to number one? Because I think they may have lost. They might have lost uh, or fell off the number one spot, maybe. I don't know. Uh, Norfolk State, number one, 13-5 overall, 7-1 in conference play. Were they number one last week? Yes, they had lost. Uh, they had lost it for like a week in January uh, right around uh, the conference time. But uh, even despite that loss uh, last week, they still maintained their number one uh, ranking. How about Alcorn State with the second toughest strength of schedule among all men? So uh, even though, you know, like I said, they had a tough loss to uh, Bethune the other night, uh, Saturday, uh, still toughest, second toughest schedule overall. Any other any thoughts you want to quickly give uh, regarding D1 men? At Prairie View, if they get into the SWAC tournament, will be the most dangerous team in the tournament. So You think so? Yeah, I think so. Whoever whoever's okay. on that line with Prairie View, buyer beware. Mm, yeah, good. Well, point. Well, good. Well, point said. Well said. Okay, uh, Division One women's um, from five to one. We'll start with the team on the outside. Just missed getting to the top five. North Carolina A and T, uh, twelve and twelve overall, nine and five in conference play in the Big South. Number five is Morgan State. Uh, 11 and 6 overall, 5 and 2 in conference play. Number 4, just barely ahead of Morgan State is Norfolk State. They are 10 and 8 overall, 7 and 1 in conference play. Number 3, Howard University, 12 and 8 overall, 7 and 2 in conference play. Number 2, continuing with the run of MEAC schools is Coppin State, 12 and 9 overall, 6 and 2. And you already know who number one is. That's without a doubt, unquestionably, Jackson State Lady Tigers, 12-0 and 0 in conference play, 14-6. and 6. How about the MEAC running four of the five there, Drew? What, what was that song? Which one of these is not like the other? Which one of these <laughs> is not the same? That will be the team with the and-o in conference, y'all. Jackson State. And-o, and that's right. the, that's that's the That's the only question we have left right now can jackson state go in Owen conference right right uh well that's what they're playing for i feel like any, any loss would be a disappointment you know at this point in the game it's like go ahead and go on un- the unbeaten all right let's move over to division two men's division two men's top five computer rankings uh just on the outside of the top five we've got lincoln pa men uh, 16 and 8 overall, 9 and 4 in conference play, and Fayetteville State, uh, formerly number one, have dropped all the way outside of the top five. They are 16 and 8 overall, 11 and 3 
in conference play. So the top five, here we go. Hey, Number let's five. Give, up, before, you, before you get to that, let's give Morehouse some love, who's right there on, on the cusp also. Yeah. Uh, 15, 15 and 6, 12 and 2. 12 wins in a row, uh, but uh, not quite in the top five. So uh, don't get mad at us, Morehouse Nation. Uh, you know, it, it's it's coming. Don't worry. Uh, let's go. Top five. Number five, West Virginia State. 18 and six overall, 13 and four in conference play. Number four from the CIAA, Winston-Salem State. The Rams, 16 and five overall, 10 and four in conference play. Number three, also from the CIAA, Virginia Union. 19 and six overall, 12 and three in conference play. Number two, Miles, Golden Bears. Uh, coming in at number two, 18 and three overall record, 15 and one in conference play. And, uh, you know, I don't know if you want to say controversially or may, some people may look at it as such. Uh, Benedict College coming in uh, in first, 17 and five, 13 and two. What do you think factors into that, Drew? It, 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 it's it's just the cycle of the conference schedule. Uh, even though Miles beat a uh, tough Tuskegee team, you know, Benedict had a big win this week also. So it, it's just hard to say. You know, Virginia Union did suffer a loss this week, which knocked them out of the number one slot. But these three teams uh, have been interchangeable at that top slot all season long, as I believe Miles, Benedict, and uh, Union have all held the number one slot at some point in time this this season for us. So, you know, and, and, and look, Miles and Benedict, hopefully, ultimately, was settling on the court in the SIEC tournament. So uh, we, we, we know that's going to be the uh, case. You know, the only thing I hate to say is West Virginia State, because they don't participate in one of our HBCU conferences, you know, they they may play themselves in or they may be able to play themselves out because they don't uh, have that direct head-to-head in an HBCU conference. But they actually, West Virginia State, have the, among the top five teams, have the toughest strength of schedule among the top five teams. Yes. What? Yes, they do play at a tough yeah. conference. Yes. 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 All right. All right. Let's move over to Division Two women. Um, here we go. Division two women just outside of the top five, barely missing the mark. Lincoln PA, the women are 18 and seven, 10 and four in conference play. And also just missing the top five is Miles College. They are 15 and five, 11 and five in conference play. Here we go. Number five, Elizabeth City State of the CIAA coming in with an overall record of 18 and four. 11 and 4 in conference play. Number 4, Tuskegee. Uh Tuskegee comes in 18 and 3, 12 and 2 overall. Barely over Tuskegee in the number 3 spot and probably due to strength of schedule uh versus Tuskegee is Benedict College number 3 uh coming in 18 and 6, 12 and 2 in conference play. So even though both teams have a Total wins are same. Conference records the same. Uh, despite Benedict having three more losses, 
And they split in, the, uh, in their matchup also. Oh, they, they're two split. Uh-huh. Good point. Yes. Good point. Coming in at number two, West Virginia State. 17-5 and five overall, 13-4 and four in conference. And number one, should be no doubt, Savannah State. Uh, the uh, Tigers come in number one, uh, 21-1 and one record. Uh, 11, uh, 11 and one overall, 12 and, uh, is that right? What, what's the conference? Yeah. Well, you got 11 and one? 11 and one. That's what the SIEC website has. Okay. Yeah. Uh, okay. A 10 and one, according to Savannah's website, but all the same, the one loss did come in conference. Are you surprised the- that the SIEC website has something different than the school's website? <laughs> Not at all. Uh, So one versus three matchup (laughs) on Monday. Savannah State Benedict again. uh, Thanks to uh, Coach Baker for taking some time out of this Sunday afternoon to talk with us. Very, very fun team to watch. I encourage you guys to uh, jump on. If you can't get to Savannah State to watch that game, go to Flow Sports uh, and uh, pick up that broadcast. Let's get to the NAIA. Uh, or any, let me ask, any, any comments there before we jump to the NAIA, Drew? No, once again, you got uh, West Virginia State uh, crashing the party between the CIAA and the SIAC. West Virginia State, I believe, they bounced from number five all the way up to number two based on their, uh, their conference play as they have the number seven uh, strength of schedule. Benedict with the number five strength of schedule in the uh in hbcu basketball so <laughs> a couple of reasons why those teams are ranked as high as they are winning with the strength of schedule that they have and, and just to let people know where okay west virginia state currently sitting in fourth place overall in the mountain east and then the women West Virginia State's women are actually sitting in second place uh, in the Mountain East. Uh, in front of them is an unbeaten Glenville State, 22-0, 17-0. So <laughs> that's in front of West Virginia State. So uh, both, of those are, both of those teams are in the top four. All right, so moving over to the NAIA, right? Let's go uh, to outside of the top five, Florida Memorial, 13 and 13, nine and six in conference play. Number five is Xavier, Gold Nuggets, 17 and four overall, eight and three winners of 10 in a that, row. That would be the gold, that would be the gold rush on the men's side. I, I knew I was going to get it wrong. I knew it was going to. Oh, wait a minute. We're talking about. <laughs> We're talking about the men. I'm sorry. I don't know why I thought we were talking about the women. We're talking about the men. See, yes. So let me. Uh, so Xavier, you had the records right. Yeah. Okay. So the Xavier men are number five, seventeen and four. They have won seven games in a row. Okay. Don't want to get that confused. Tougaloo coming in at number four. Watch out for them in the GCAC. Sixteen and seven overall. Five and one, <laughs> five and one in conference play. Number three is Stillman. Stillman coming in 17 and 5, 10 and 5 in conference play. Number two out of the Red River, Paul Quinn, 20 and 1, 9 and 1 in conference play. 
really is a shame that they're not eligible for a play tournament this year. Be interesting to see what that would look like. Number one is Talladega, 23-3, and 13-2 in conference play. <clears throat> Just suffered their second loss in conference to Loyola on Saturday. And they will get a rematch on their home court. So I think that'll be in a week or so. So that'll be a good opportunity rematch. Any uh, any thoughts there on the women on the men's NAIA top five? No, no. I mean, it, it, it is what it is. Talladega, uh, Paul Quinn, and then everyone everyone else. But we know chances are Paul Quinn would not be our national champion because uh, with them not being able to go on to the postseason, and we know a couple of these teams will make it to the postseason. So, Paul Quinn, enjoy it while you can. But one of those other four teams in that top five will wind up being the national champion. So you, you say that, and then something strange happens, Drew, and then we're all sitting here like, but Drew said, be careful about that. And, uh, just, just just pass me the hot sauce with the crow. <laughs> okay, number uh, – let's move over to the NAIA women to wrap this up. Just on the outside of the top five is Stillman College, 11-9, and 7-6 in conference play. Number five is Xavier, Xavier women. Uh, t- ten games in a row, ten and one in conference play, fourteen and six overall. Uh, just ahead of them in fourth place, Philander Smith, uh, in the GCAC, nineteen and five overall, four and one in conference play. In third, Florida Memorial, they just finished uh, playing the number one team in NAIA. On uh, this past weekend, uh, wasn't wasn't close, but uh, you know maybe they'll get them the third time in the conference tournament. Fourteen and nine overall, eleven and four in conference play. Number two, Talladega, fifteen and ten overall, eight and six in conference play, and number one, still holding on to number one, the Russ College Lady Bearcats, twenty and two, five and zero oh in conference play. And uh, they got a win the other day against Oak Oakwood. Oakwood, yeah, sixty-four to thirty was the uh, was the final score in that game. Any any thoughts? Uh, any questions, Drew? Or not questions, but any any comments or thoughts on the NAIA women top five? You know, it's a shame for Lander and Rust playing the GCAC as a one-bid league. Hopefully the resume for whichever one of these teams loses the GCAC tournament will be strong enough so that they can uh, get two teams out of the GCAC into the tournament. Okay. Um, all right, that's it. Uh, do, do we ha- do, do we want to wrap this up, Drew? And Because I know we got pregame to do. We got some pregaming to do. Um and, and like I said, I had so much more to talk. I had, I had copious notes that I wanted to get through <clears throat> talking about this kerfuffle, uh, this messiness going on in the Southern Heritage Classic. But uh, I yeah, digress. I, I, I'm good either way. If you want to hang out, I will hang out here with you for a few more minutes. I'm waiting on our producer. Waiting on what to see if our producer says something in our ear like, y'all better hang this stuff up. 
<laughs> that was the response I was waiting for. I think that was yeah. our cue to wrap it up. Um, just okay. Uh, I, I, we'll find another time, Drew. To uh, I will save my notes and uh, we'll we'll talk about it. Maybe uh, mid midweek <laughs> show. You know something, Brian. By the time we get to those notes. Oh, he just said we, we could do one more segment. Go ahead. Obviously, our producer said we got we can we can get one one little short segment in. So if you want to take a break and do it, let's 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 do that, Brian. No, I don't think he wants to take a break. I think he's saying just go ahead and let's finish it out. Uh, so go ahead with your go ahead with your thought. Oh well, let's get into it then, because my thought is probably well, my thought was going to be by the time we get to those notes, the way this story has been changing, those notes will be obsolete. That yeah, there'll be another. There'll be another. Again, officially, it's been released officially, right? So yes, I mean the the schedule could come out. So I don't even know where I left off. We were talking about the timeline. Just my thoughts on just organizational communication but just summarize the timeline again january 26th the swat classic announcement comes out february 1st is when fred jones received the letter from jackson state as he stated he received it on february 1st at 6 p.m february 2nd is when the jackson state memo to fred jones gets leaked uh that they weren't playing Tennessee State president responds accordingly, as we talked about, not happy at all. Uh, Fred Jones says he's miffed at what happened. Even uh, Coach Sanders, Coach Prime, decided to uh, to reply to a few fans about uh, the business of college football and, and uh, things of that nature. And then so we sat for three days and four days and five days and wondered what's happening what's why is Jackson State doing this and uh I think even on the fourth there was uh a planned at that time it was planned that Jackson State was going to release their schedule on February 7th that's at least according to their website well February 7th came around a schedule did pop up online but it wasn't officially from Jackson State Somehow it got out. Uh, there was FB schedules that had it. Uh, Offscript had it. Everybody on that had a had a schedule that showed UAPB uh, on the schedule. Um, also, notably Grambling. That's I think that's another one that people look past. The fact that there was a non conference game at Jackson State between Grambling, and so for a home opener, that's a heck of a draw. That's a fifty thousand seat. That's a 50,000 game right there. So that's a big home opener that's going to happen. So that uh, that came out on February 7th. <clears throat> uh, but again, university comes out and says, that's not the official schedule. And so again, we're still wondering, how can Jackson State do this? What are they doing? Why would they do this? And then on February 11th, the uh, Jackson State sends out the notification uh, via their legal counsel that uh, they are back, uh, that they will play in this contest for 2022, uh, uh, assumingly only in 2022. 
And I was sitting here trying to find the actual note or the letter that uh, J-State sent out. Um, And so based on the letter that came out, uh, it was interesting to read Fred Jones, uh, his response to that, which really I found the most interesting part that even though, you know, despite some of the commentary in the original memo that was leaked, Fred Jones disputed. I, I got to pull it up, Drew, because I, I, I don't think I'm doing this fairly if I don't mention what Jackson State released. And I don't know. Do you have that handy? Do you have that? No, I, I did not even pull that up. Um. So if I, I'm just going to take a quick second here, but uh, that that memo came out by Jackson State. Uh, they said they're back. Fred Jones kind of came back and said, well, look, it's great to have you back, but you're still in breach of contract. Certain things that you said uh, on February 11th aren't quite necessarily true, uh, so on and so forth. <laughs> and so here we are, Drew. Uh, we still have no schedule yet, uh, and we have questions. So wh- while I look for the official statement from Jackson State, what are your questions? Who leaked this and why? Question number one. Because in in order for a leak to happen, and we've all been we've been in media long enough to know, someone had to feed someone that information, and depending on that source is whether you can run with that run with that or not. Even with as media members, even when we get something and we know it's from an incredible source so that we can protect the integrity of that person who gave us that information, we still have to go through and verify this information with other people. That way, it can't be that, well, only one person would have put this information out, you know, and then you can pin it back to that one person and that one person uh, gets in trouble, if you understand what I'm saying, so... Who leaked this information? That that's question number one. Uh, question number two I have is: We've seen a schedule with Lane on the on Jackson State schedule to be played October one as the homecoming opponent, and as the probable homecoming opponent because it doesn't officially say it, but it doesn't take a genius to figure that one out, which means that Jackson State has 12 games right now. So unofficially. How do they unofficially have 12 games? <laughs> but you only get 11. Something's got to give. Just, just, just throwing that out there. And so if if it's if it's a lane game that has to give, you know, now there's lane, hey, hey, what about our money that we were supposed to get from y'all? for coming to play y'all this year because now we got to go out and find another game. Are we going to go out and find another check game? Are we going to find a Division Two game? Are we going to find an NAIA game? And depending on what that game is, could mean some differences in revenue for that particular game. If that is true that Lane was that opponent, that 11th opponent on the schedule. And then why? Irregardless of which schedule that we've seen, Brian, 
why are we not giving Jackson State some credit for having an all HBCU schedule? You know, I've heard people talk about. Uh, obviously, you have been reading uh, some of the swack message boards on Facebook. <laughs> no, that, I haven't. That that I that I read through and talk about how weak their schedule is, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Once again, you remember that question? Uh, I I asked. Did you you saw Doctor Cavill's inside the HBCU Sports Lab on Tuesday? That took up half of the show. What do you want, HBCU fans? You've got an all HBCU schedule, especially if Lane is not on the schedule. Now you have an all FCS HBCU schedule. What more do you want out of out of a, out of a Jackson State? So. I mean, they they can't win for losing. And my final question is, of those three, okay, you've got three you know, those three non-conference games. Let's assume Jackson State loses a conference game and winds up in the exact opposite situation that they did last year when they were the front runners. Let's assume that they're number two in the SI in the SWAC East. Is their schedule strong enough to garner a playoff bid with one loss? And assuming that that one loss is to the ultimate Eastern Division winner. Those are the questions that I have, Brian. All right, so I found the official statement that came out January, uh, February 11th from Jackson State, which reads, Last week, confidential legal correspondence between Jackson State University and Summit Management Corporation was leaked which did not reflect the ongoing communication between the parties. We understand how football fans plan to attend games months in advance, and it was never our intent to abruptly cancel participation during the 2022 season. The 2022 Southern Heritage Classic between Jackson State and Tennessee State University will be played as originally planned. We are pleased with this conclusion and look forward to bringing the SWAC Championship JSU Tigers Back to Memphis in September. Here's the key line for one final battle on the gridiron. Ooh, one fight. So, what are they saying? They're 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 hinting at that 2022 will be it, despite what the fact that there is a contract, uh, according to Fred Jones, uh, that runs through what 2024, right? Right. Right. Brian, another another question is, when is that game going to be played now? Because it is assumed that the Southern Heritage Classic and or the SWAT Classic, because it is assumed that right now these games are on the same day if the Grambling game is scheduled for the 10th of September. Fred Jones is making it very clear. Uh, even in his uh, statement following Jackson State's uh, uh, announcement there, he says that the 33rd Southern Heritage Classic football game in Memphis, uh, uh, well, actually, he said, we are pleased that Jackson State will be playing Tennessee State in the 33rd Southern Heritage Classic game in Memphis on September 10th, 2022. However, we, yeah, he says, however, we do wish to set the record straight. Now, Here's my thing. Him setting the record straight, 
what's the benefit of doing this? Because the next several sentences, again, only do what? Go to prove, I, I guess, if you establish something for later uh, future purposes, for future legal purposes, um, you're definitely not doing it uh, for the benefit of Jackson State. You're doing it with, I think, what, future uh, future future thoughts on legal proceedings because he does state in a statement uh, that he still feels, uh, let's see, he says, uh, he goes on to state that when general counsel wrote his letter on February 1st, he did not state that JSU will play in the 2022 classic. He did not state that JSU would like to buy its way out of the 23 and 24 contract years and was putting us on notice that we need to try to find a replacement team. No, his letter was crystal clear. The letter is entitled Notice of Termination, and the second paragraph begins with, therefore, the correspondence shall serve as notice of JSU's termination, blah, blah, blah. So it's like Fred Jones is like, hey, I'm glad to have you guys back. But I'm just gonna load up this uh, load up this blowtorch, and I'm still gonna blow it at you just to let you know. I mean, look, I it's it, it's a it's amazing. We, we, truth. We, uh, we, you, you, you know what you know what this is. We we gonna make this money this one last year. It's almost like Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls in the Last Dance. Oh, okay, I see. We gonna make we gonna get this championship this one last year, and then we gonna go our separate ways, and and, and this is almost that similar type situation, except HBCU football. We gonna do this thing this one last time. I'm gonna sign for this one more year, but I'm out of here after this. Oh, we just seen this with Aaron Rodgers, with the uh, Green Bay Packers. We just saw this. So, so the biggest things is uh, obviously we asked about questions. You know, obviously, you know, uh, UAPB's kind of left in the wind, uh, trying to figure out what's going to happen. Um, the what happens with uh, the SWAT Classic uh, between somebody and somebody. I mean, it, <laughs> the, the game in Birmingham. <laughs> There's a game in Birmingham that has to happen, right? Uh, who's going to be in that? You know, can is there still a way for Jackson State to find their way into this? Uh, who knows who it's against? Uh, you're not going to take the game. Jackson State's not going to give up the game against Grambling. Grambling has on their schedule that they're going to Jackson State on the third week. And Jackson State's yeah. not giving up that big payday against Grambling. I mean, that's going to be a big game. <clears throat> so you can count so, you can count out that game being, a, being I think, being moved to uh, – to, to Birmingham, right? I think that game is out. As you said, what's left? I mean, I mean, I mean, if uh, again, no schedule has been officially released, but uh, I'm just looking. If you go to FB schedule, which I mean, that's the internet, so they they you know they get their information from from uh, different places. So it's not an official schedule. So I want to remind everybody, you got to wait till Jackson State official. And, and I don't think the official schedule is going to come out until they sort out this whole thing. But again, I'll close all of this. Uh, we've asked some interesting questions. But again, I go back to being on the same page. And if you go all the way back to January 26th, when you made the announcement about the SWAT Classic, 
I feel like somebody, somebody in that room of decision makers should have said, well, what are we going to do about the Jack, about the Southern Heritage Classic? And what are we going to say when people ask us about that game? Just a thought, you know, just a thought that getting everybody on the same page sure does make you look a little bit better out into the masses. Okay. Um, so maybe <clears throat> maybe somebody else jumps into the SWAT Classic this year. You know, I don't, I don't know if there's any contracts that have been sa- signed yet. Uh, you know, uh, we, we don't know. You know, even though we were given indication through the release that Jackson State <clears throat> is a part of it, who knows? Maybe maybe two other schools step in, right? Well, just, just looking at, according to FB schedules, Saturday, September 10th, some of the games that are out there, Valley Valley travels to Austin P. Fanview hosts Albany State. Prairie View travels to Abilene Christian. Alcorn travels to Tulane. Northwestern State travels to Grambling. Southern travels across town to LSU. Alabama A&M travels to Troy. Texas Southern travels to North Texas. Alabama State goes out to UCLA. South Carolina State travels to Bethune. UAPV plays Jackson State in Birmingham. And Jackson State plays Tennessee State in Memphis. So (laughs) everybody's playing on the 10th. And everybody is – most of these games are revenue games for the opponents, the SWAC opponents. Again, I, I – just my, – my mind is blown that you just really thought you were going to walk out of that contract and just go on to yeah, the next yeah. thing. I, I mean, you know, I, I just – that is mind-blowing. Um but All right, but but there is if you want to bring a BAC team in there, as of right now, Norfolk at James Madison, Howard at uh South Florida, Morgan State at Towson, Delaware State at Delaware, South Carolina State at Bethune, North Carolina Central. You're on the clock. <laughs> I don't know. That doesn't, that, doesn't, that doesn't sound like a swag. This has the same. Sounds like another swag BAC challenge. Uh, yeah, that's exactly what it sounds like. I don't know. It doesn't scream swag. Uh, so that's what we're waiting on next. I guess the next question is we wait to see what happens with the swag classic. I guess that's the next question that has to be answered. And, you know, uh, this, uh, this, 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 this news, if uh, it's kind of taking on a life, if I'm Jackson State, I'm promoting the hell out of my women's basketball team. I'm I'm talking about them in every place that we can promote them. You know, try to get away from any publicity related to this this stuff regarding the Southern Heritage Classic, and get to talking about your women's basketball program. That's the program that needs to be getting the full dress and attention of your media efforts. Uh, and, and get this team because, again, 25 consecutive wins in SWAC play, 28 consecutive wins against SWAC opponents. Pub the heck out of that, man. 
and uh, maybe maybe we'll forget about all of this other stuff, you know, going on. And you know, Fred Jones doesn't have to pull out the blowtorch every every time you guys drop a, a memo or a note. So, uh, yeah. just uh, just a just, thought. Just one other, just one other note. Uh, pulled up Hampton's schedule. Hampton right now doesn't have anything on their schedule, but we know they're transitioning conferences. So, uh, yeah. th- there are two HBCU teams on the FCS level that have not officially released a game on September 10th if they have to, if Jackson State has to do something, and that that being Hampton and North Carolina Central. Everyone else has released it, that they're playing on that date. Well, th- this is fascinating. This is a fascinating case study on um, operational management and uh, communication, organizational communication. It's a fascinating Fascinating, fascinating case study that uh, we'll continue to watch. We'll ask questions. We'll opine about, and eventually we'll we'll know what happens, and uh, and then we will react. So, I will stay out of the Facebook message boards. I go to you for those kind of things, and uh, you know, let the let, <laughs> let all that other stuff go. All right, Drew, uh, we got to get out of here. Final score and result. For uh, tonight's Super Bowl, Bengals, Rams, final score and uh, outcome. Oh, uh, let's go! Final score, MVP. Final score, MVP. I'm I'm taking the I'm taking the Bengals and the points, but the Rams for the outright win. How about okay. that? What's what score? What score? What's your score? I think I think it's going to be in the I think it's going to be in the twenties. I think it's going to come down to a last minute, last minute drive. And I think Joe Burrow will have the ball with the opportunity to drive the Bengals to victory and the big and the Rams defense will step up and make a play. Somebody on the Rams defense will make a will uh will make a play. And my dark horse for MVP is OBJ. Ooh. Really? Yeah. Yes. Interesting. Yeah. I, I I think because of all the attention elsewhere on the Rams offensively, I think he can potentially have uh one of those breakout games because everybody's gonna be focusing on Cooper Cup and uh Matthew Stafford and the running game and everything like that. Uh either that or Donald. Those would be my two. I'm going to, you know, you try to think about scores and how the numbers are going to play out. I'm going to go Cincinnati. I'm trying to see how this is going to play out because I'm factoring in, I'm factoring in three Cincinnati field goals. So I have to figure out those nine points. I figure out how I'm going three field goals by Cincinnati in this contest. 16 uh, or 23. Well, okay. So is it 23? So if I go two touchdowns and three field goals, what is that? 14 it's plus 23. nine is what? Man, I think, hey, can they beat the, can they, can they play good enough defense to beat the Rams and hold them? So I go 23, 21, 23, 21 Bengals, 23, 21 Bengals. Ooh. There you go. Plus four Bengals plus 160 on the money line. Uh, and uh, of course I'll go. I like the kicker. I like the kicker. I don't even know his name. I can't think of his name. Uh, if he has three field like goals, he would be the leading candidate for MVP. Game, game-winning field goal. Look, I, I think, I think, give it to the kicker as the as the MVP. 
uh, of, of the Super Bowl. So that's what I'm looking forward to. And uh, be tuned in to the halftime show as well. Should be interesting to see. I'm, I want to see, speaking of the halftime show, and then we're going to get out of here. I want to see if they do a version of California Love. Watch this. With Mary J singing the Roger Troutman hook and Snoop Dogg or uh, probably Snoop Dogg. I think Snoop Dogg would do it best. Snoop Dogg singing the uh, the, the Tupac verse. That That's the verse. And that that's has to open. That has to be, if you listen, I heard the lyrics today. I was listening to something. If you listen to the lyrics of California Love, you have to start as that as the first song. That has to, I can't think of any other song on anybody's playlist that makes more sense to start than California Love. You, you got to start there, you know? So that that's just my take. We'll see what happens and what doesn't happen. Uh, that's going to do it for this show. Show, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at mybcsn1. Want to give a shout out and thanks to Coach Cedric Baker of Savannah State. You guys make sure to check out that game tomorrow against Benedict College, uh, our number one versus number three teams of our top five. Will be uh, Monday afternoon starting at five thirty, and then afterwards you've got the Savannah State men <clears throat> taking on our number one. Benedict. So we got our number one teams in Division Two playing tomorrow. That should be interesting. Go download the Jericho Broadcast Networks app on your Google or Apple Play Store. Just search my JBN and my BCSN. And don't forget, our shows are available on Pod. Go search for BCSN Pod Zone. And you can listen to all of the shows on the Black College Sports Network anytime you are driving to or from work. All right, Drew. Uh, appreciate our producer, Roy, for hanging in there with us. Drew, enjoy the Super Bowl. We'll talk later. I'm Brian Fulford. That's AD Drew. Peace out, everybody. Be safe and enjoy the game. I holla. But you know, my